Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number two of Rune Terrible Radio. I am your host, The Blevins, and joining me today is none other than Charmer. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you for coming. Well, thank you for having me. I had nothing else to do on a fine Saturday evening because my family has left. They're on vacation, so it's just me. Hey, there you go. Got uh, got some Twitch chat to keep you company uh, while the fam is on vacation. If there's one thing that Twitch chat is good for, it's making me feel warm and fuzzy. I mean, they make me feel warm and fuzzy all the time, but that's probably because I've got contracted some sort of illness from them. <laughs> but uh, I'm kidding, Chad. I love you. Uh, but if you guys are unfamiliar and can't tell from the title of the show, this is a show about Legends of Runeterra, Riot's upcoming card game. We're going to be talking all about it. We are, if you're listening to this in the future, a, a high, high future, high future friends. Uh, this is in the, the cold, dark times where we only got a, a just small taste of Legends of Runeterra in the original preview patch. And now we're trying to hold ourselves over and give us something and talk about Runeterra as much as we can because we miss it so bad. It's only been six days, but it feels like an eternity. It's been six whole days. The nation is in shambles. People run screaming through the streets. It, it's crazy because I have to play these card games that my my two drops they only have like two or three power. It's just so it's so pedantic. It feels so empty. Yeah, it feels so empty. Oh. I I will say this. I actually said this in my own Discord. Um, if their plan was to get me to go back to playing League at work, I've played more League in the last mm -hmm. week than I have in the last year, and it's a combination both of like I usually pick League up around Worlds. Again, just because, you know, you watch all the, mm -hmm. the worlds and you, you you watch the matches, you see people playing way better than you. But <laughs> unlike, you know, when I watch football from the comfort of my own home, I don't think like, oh, I can do that and then okay. start playing football. Yeah, but I do that with the league. old pigskin. Like, yeah, I, I do that with league like literally every year and I fell for it again this year. But this time around, we also got Legends of Runeterra and I was like, oh, I, I love the IP and there's mm -hmm. so many characters I love. And so... Uh, I've played more League this week than I have in the last year easily. Oh, yeah. I mean, Legends of Runeterra kind of continued my League play. I had I had actually had the same story with TFT. I hadn't played League in any sort of substantive way for, like, over five years. <laughs> like, I stopped – actually, maybe even longer than that. I stopped playing League in, like, 2010, and then TFT came out. I'm like, ooh. I'm going to reinstall this. And then I'm like, oh, ARAM still exists. Okay, let's play this. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Riot, uh, I guess other games have really brought us back, us uh, strategy gamers back into the MOBA space, yeah. which has been uh, great. But before we go any further, Charmer, for those of for those uh, listeners out there who haven't heard of you and don't know who you are, uh, hey, shame on you, folks. Charmer is no, I was about to say good for them. Good, <laughs> well, we're, good for them. we're going to that pollute means... them now. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. What got you into card games? Let it, let's hear it. Oh, man. What got me into card games? Being being a young, impressionable boy and seeing a bunch of really cool-looking Magic the Gathering cards is what got me into games. Actually, it wasn't Magic the Gathering. Uh, Magic was the first card game that I like. ultimately really fell in love with, mm -hmm. but my very first one, the one that um 
the, the one that wasn't like poker or blackjack when i was super young i learned how to count playing poker and blackjack with my grandma but after that when i was really getting into the collectible card games the very first one i ever played was marvel overpower because i was a big marvel comics nerd mm -hmm. when i was young you know i'm talking about i think i was like seven or eight years old something like that so um after playing that uh you know saw magic the gathering and thought hey i like fantasy stuff right who doesn't like dragons and angels and True. everything else in between so uh started playing magic in it was like early 94 it was before ice age came out i remember ice age was like the first that I, I had started playing magic enough to like get the hang of it and then when ice age was coming out that was like the first set i was really excited for mm -hmm. um and then so i played a lot of uh magic and then naturally pokemon and then in the 90s it was kind of like the glory days of physical trading card games mm -hmm. because everything got a trading card game true and when i say everything i mean i played an aliens versus predator one i played harry potter you know i did yes, the, the dragon harry ball potter z game oh my god i um, actually just bought like a, a, a last year uh my girlfriend and i were looking for like just two player games to play and she loves harry potter so i actually went back and bought the old starter deck for the harry potter trading card game very nice and and so i started working at uh a local comic and gaming store in my early teens because i knew some folks there and they were kind enough to give me a job um and large a large part of the reason that they gave me the job was because the people who ran it knew comics um but not as much games mm -hmm. like the one guy who knew games would travel a lot and then they ended up changing ownership and then the new owner knew nothing about games so he kept me on to basically handle all of that. Um, so I I learned everything that, that came into the store so that I could teach it to people. And that included card games, a lot of miniatures. So, you know, things, uh, Mage Knight, Hero Clicks, mm -hmm. things like that. I was playing a lot of uh, tabletop stuff. Um, card games, like I said, it would decipher Star Wars, decipher Lord of the Rings. Um, it, it, if it came into our shop, I, I pretty much learned how to play it. And I've just been addicted ever since. Um, I, I can only think of maybe one or two card games that I've ever like seen come in front of me that I actually didn't like actually try. Most of the time, like if I see a card game, I at least pick it up long enough to kind of get the ins and outs because I'm also a big like game design nerd and I mm -hmm. like seeing how people attack different problems um, as far as like gameplay experience and things like that. So I I've played a lot of card games like probably way more than is necessary <laughs> yeah i know a lot of us a lot of us i haven't i played a decent number of games but i'm i'm curious what what are those games that you didn't that you like saw and you didn't want to learn or didn't didn't pick up oh yeah so <laughs> um, there like a particular reason was it like <laughs> yeah something like that <laughs> Uh, a lot of it was uh, typically I just didn't like the vendor or the person who uh, was making it or the, the, the org if they rubbed uh, okay. me the wrong way. Sure, sure. Because we would get, specifically back then, we'd get like some vendor pitches for different things. And, um, you know, if you're just like not very personable when it comes to your your product, I, I don't know, it kind of just says a lot to me. Sure. So I... 
I, I'm not usually the kind of person that publicly like bashes things. So oh yeah, I'll, I'll no, 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 no. That's but not, I, I will. I will just say it, it's a very small number, and it's usually for yeah, a pretty yeah. good reason. Otherwise, because I've played, I've played some some weird game stuff <laughs> that I never thought I would ever pick up. So nice, nice. Yeah, no, no need to, no need to publicly bash anyone. But uh, you know who you are. Maybe you don't. Probably no, they probably don't. It. That's what's even worse. But. <laughs> well, no need oh, well. Uh, to reveal any secrets there. Um, so, like, like a lot of uh, a lot of us in the gaming sphere, the card game strategy game sphere, um, we've played a lot of games, uh, and obviously, Legends of Runeterra is another. You know, it's a, it's another card game out there. So, was it just the fact that it's a card game that uh, brought you into being excited about this game, or was there something specific about it that really? your interest uh i mean it was a card game and specifically the the league ip so uh i'm i'm very well known now for i i would say two card games um i really like picked up steam as a content creator when i started doing stuff for the elder scrolls legends and then for the very flash in the pan, uh, quick shelf life that it had, uh, I was involved with a lot of artifact events. So I'm known for those two games. But when I very first started streaming, I started streaming with League. So that's actually where my name comes from, where Charmer comes from. Mm -hmm. I was an RE main. So it, it's safe to say that I've put a few thousand hours in League. Okay. And the marriage of being able to take one of my favorite IPs and, uh, you know, lore and things like that, and then also combine it with uh, the genre that I enjoy. Like, don't get me wrong, I enjoy League, but I'm just not very good at League because I'm an old man. My reaction time is not nearly same, what it used to be. Same. So <laughs> even though I love League, I know that, you know, I'll never be good at that. But like I'm, I'm good enough at card games. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not going to pretend like I'm a pro, but like I'm good enough at card games sure. that I have, a, I think, a really good understanding of it. Um, I'm pretty good at, you know, relaying that kind of information. Uh, I enjoy casting. So if you don't know, I, I, I do a bunch of uh, casting for events and things like that. And uh, I don't know, just there, there was something kind of like special when I thought about, oh hey, like I could actually cover league, you know when that was my original desire mm -hmm. many, many moons ago, maybe now there's an opportunity or an avenue for it. So it was, it was a, that it was a card game. Um, then once I kind of got the overview of it, it also didn't hurt that it's very similar to Magic the Gathering, but fixing a lot of the things that mm -hmm. I disliked about Magic. Um, it also didn't hurt that I just personally know a couple of people who have uh, worked on the project. Mm. So... Um, finally getting to you know see what they've been working on enjoy it give them feedback etc cetera, etc cetera. there was just there was a lot of moving parts to it but it was kind of like a perfect storm mm. yeah that's uh sim similar to me too except i wasn't huge <laughs> into league at all i just uh you know have been you know i i i love card games and i want to i want to play new ones especially when they're good and i've I really have been a, I hate I hate the term, but like an early adopter of digital card games. Even before Hearthstone, like I I preferred to play Magic Online to Paper Magic before Hearthstone came out. Like, 
Were you a big Soul Forge guy? I did play a, a pretty good amount of Soul Forge actually. Um, I didn't I didn't care as much for that one, but I did play a lot because it was very simplified uh, in a lot of ways. But it, it also felt kind of I'm like. Man, I forgot that that game existed. I'm like now all this old <laughs> See, Soul Forge you. information is flowing back into my ears. <laughs> Man, I, I, I wasn't I wasn't messing with you when I said I've played a lot of card games. Oh yeah, I played I played a man. Yeah, I literally completely forgot that that game existed. But I did play that was yeah that was the one that game seemed like it was it it could have been so much more than it was. But. Man, what is that? Does that game still exist? <laughs> like, um, can, I don't think can I download it, it on my phone and play it? <laughs> it, went, it went through a couple of different changes. Okay. I I tried weathering the storm quite a bit early on, but by the time that Hearthstone had come around, mm. I had stopped trying to weather the storm. My my biggest complaint with that particular game was that it really felt like the most satisfying part of the game was when you would level up your mm. Uh, your your powerful things, right? Yeah. Like that was the entire game mechanic. For those of you who don't know Soulforge, like you would play a card, but if you played it and then it would level up, but you would get like a copy that would shuffle back into your deck and then you would have to redraw the level two version and it could level up to level three. Mm -hmm. And it was really a cool idea, but it felt terrible when you would like level up your cards and then never draw the next levels yeah so like if your opponent levels them up and then they redraw and they level up again and they got a bunch of level three stuff and you're stuck with a bunch of level ones because you never drew the the leveled up versions after they shuffled back in it just felt awful and i i, I never could like weather the storm after that mm -hmm. that was my biggest uh issue yeah but, yeah, I remember that game being like all right, and I remember I liked it because I could play it on my iPad. <laughs> like yeah. back, back in the day, back before that was, you know, there wasn't a substantive card game to play on mobile. But now that it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy to think that those days existed. Now that we have, I remember so playing an awful game. lot. Like speaking of iPads, I used to play an awful lot of like Dominion and yes. Ascension mm -hmm. on a coworker's iPad. Like that was our lunch hour. Nice. basically was just nonstop like deck building games that you mm -hmm. could play. I never played dominion on the iPad, but I played, I think I bought everything that was out at the time on the iPad version and just played every single like iteration of like the craziest things you could build. And like, then when I would play at my friend's house, they only had like one expansion. I'm like, ah, this is nothing. Come on, man. You got to get, you got to get all these other expansions. Like dude, it's like 50 bucks to buy new expansions for that game. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> but very good games. You guys, if you haven't already check out dominion and, uh, Ascension, both, uh, very, very fun there, but yeah, man, I, I completely forgot that soul forge existed as a game. And now that you bring that up, it's like, huh? Legends of Runeterra actually pulls pretty heavily from that from that uh, game mechanic. And um, you talked about some things about magic that you don't like that Runeterra kind of fixes. Let's let's talk about those. I'm I'm assuming that the big the big elephant in the room that everyone brings up about the the worst thing about magic is the mana system. Is that, is that what you're thinking of here? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, a pretty safe assumption to make. The mana system feels really bad with magic. Largely because it's like I said with Soulforge, right? Like the most unsatisfying thing with Soulforge was you would play things and then if you didn't draw them, you kind of just kind of got locked out, right? Mm -hmm. And similarly with Magic, there are several games where you will play Magic, except for you never actually get to play the game Magic. Mm -hmm. If you've got a... Uh, a bad opener, right? Or a, uh, you get land screwed or land flooded or mm -hmm. whatever the case may be. Um, you're just not playing the game. You're watching your opponent play the game and that feels really bad. Obviously, Legends of Runeterra with the auto-incrementing system uh, addresses that mm -hmm. in the most common way that, that goes right now. There are some other games on the market that I think do uh, a really good job of um, riding that line. So, uh, like, I'm a big fan of Mythgard, for mm -hmm. example. If you haven't tried that, I would highly recommend that as well. Um, it's a smaller card game. It's done by an indie dev team by the name of Rhino. Um, but even though they're smaller, it's a bunch of people from, like, Gazillion and Google and uh, Blizzard. And the way that they handle the mana system is very similar to a physical card game uh, called Spoils. So I don't know if mm -hmm. you ever played that at the time. Yep. Uh, uh, a so, little bit. I, you did, they gave out. They always had ads on the back of Dragon Shi uh, Dragon Shield sleeves. Yeah, they yeah. put a lot of money into their uh, esports scene, if you will, before there was esports, right? So we'll mm -hmm. say their their tournament scene. They put a lot of money into their tournament scene and advertising, so much so that it ended up almost making that company go under. But <laughs> um, so if you're not familiar, the spoils had like a hybrid system between what Mythgard is and what Magic was. You had dedicated resource cards you would still put in your deck, just like Magic the Gathering with lands. Um, but one of the things that the spoils also did was uh, if you didn't draw something that was your dedicated resources, then you could instead uh, take a card and play it face down. And that was like the equivalent of colorless mana mm -hmm. in Magic. Mm -hmm. What Mythgard does, which is uh, a similar game, is every card is what they call burnable. So, like, the idea is you you play uh, cards based on mana and gems, but the way that you earn your mana and gems is by taking a card and shuffling it back into your deck. And it, like, it, it changes kind of color, um, but it you burn it, essentially, right? Mm -hmm. So, essentially, there are no resource cards. Every card in your deck is a resource. And so the decision-making that occurs is, uh, you know, do I need this card in my hand to play later? Is it safe to burn? It really creates a, a cool decision tree, in my opinion. So I, I like the way that Mythgard handled it as far as not just going the the way we've seen most card games go recently, and that's the Hearthstone route mm -hmm. where you uh, just do auto-incrementing. Uh, Elder Scrolls Legends does auto-incrementing. Artifact did uh, auto-incrementing, though I, I liked the way that they did it. They started at three, mm -hmm. and the reason I thought that was interesting was because it, it gave you more flexible plays early on. It was also not technically three because you had the three towers and each one had their own mana system. It was actually more like, uh, it, it was actually more like you had like nine to work with, but right. you had to spread it out across the towers. Again, just kind of kind of a neat way to tackle the old the old problem, the age old problem of you know how do we let players play cards? Um, I, I really enjoyed Faria's system as well. If you're not familiar with that one, you get a choice. So you can uh, develop your resources. You can draw extra cards. It's 
basically 100% player agency. Hmm. Um, that's another neat way to address it. But uh, I I like that Runeterra just did something where you're not going to get screwed. Uh, this is my long-winded way of saying hmm. that uh, uh, Magic's system, uh, you know, it feels antiquated and, and for a reason. It's over a quarter of a century old, yep. that game, you know? Mm-hmm. So you need to be improving on it. Now, I will say... One of the things that I really enjoy about Terra's system overall is the spell mana, right? Mm-hmm. Spell mana is actually, I think, really interesting because it does create a decision for the player, right? Create some uh, player agency on their part on, you know, do I want to keep playing things on curve or do I want to not play something now so that I can take like a power spike for a really powerful spell next turn? Mm-hmm. Um, or do I want to bank something uh, like... If I know I have a really uh, powerful four drop coming, I'm going to play Shen, for example. Maybe on turn three, I purposefully skip my turn so that I can on the next turn play Shen and have my three mana backed up for a deny or something to protect it, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, even though it is an auto-incrementing system, they at least made it slightly more meaningful, I think, with that decision. And it's it's something that I I enjoy. I get behind that. Yeah, I actually... uh... I mean, we talked. He covered a lot there, but uh, I like Mythgard's um, mana system a lot too. I actually picked up Mythgard from watching your stream, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you did a good job of selling it at least to at least to me. I thought it was really cool. I mean, the, I like the cyberpunk uh, theme as well. That was re- that was really cool too. But I think the original physical world of warcraft trading card game oh yeah also had that type of system and i remember playing that when it first came out and being like wow this is really this is like really cool (laughs) i wish i could do this with magic i i know a lot of folks who play hearthstone and have played hearthstone for a long time and they don't realize exactly how much is based on that old Mm -hmm. physical card game almost all of the like the base rules from hearthstone come from the old world of warcraft trading card game yep yeah i just wish we had uh i wish hearthstone had uh in-game scratch-offs that i could have. <laughs> i want my... right right for mounts <laughs> yeah for 300 mounts or uh or raids i mean you kind of get oh, it now with tavern really brawl cool. but yeah the the pve raids were actually mm-hmm. a pretty cool system for the physical card game as well man that game i <sighs> That game did so much right. <laughs> I, re- I really liked that game um, a bit way back in the day. But the, that's a that's a another uh, another uh, game that is left in the history books. But yeah, for Runeterra, the the mana system does seem it's very interesting to me uh, for the reasons that you said, as well as just like you can you can design spells in kind of a different way because like you look at um, you brought up deny it's a three mana counter spell which is a pretty sta- it's a pretty you know staple type of spell uh even in hearthstone there's i guess technically because their counter spell costs three as well but cancel or that sort of effect has been kind of templated as the 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 format definer um in terms of how the, how you're going to make a counter spell that's fair but in rune terra because you have that spell mana that you can bank, the three mana counter spell is even better for the reasons that you that you said, and you can also like we have a wrath of God effect that is nine, nine. Or eight. yeah nine yeah, but like 
is it, it's nine. It's kind of like six. And also the, like the passing of attacks where you're, you still have your turn, but it's not your turn. It, yeah. It, that it, that's something I absolutely love. Yeah. Um, from a design standpoint, there, there was actually two things that I really enjoyed that they did that were a little bit out of the norm. The, the first was the idea of only one attacker and a defender per round and you flip-flop. And the reason that I like that is because it makes it so that going second, in my opinion, does not feel as punishing. Mm-hmm. Because you can still develop on that first turn and then you go like right into attacking again. I, I'm actually really curious to see what the like disparities in win rates are between going first mm-hmm. and second. Mm-hmm. Um just even if if it's their own internal playtest numbers or over time or whatever the case may be, because uh, a lot of card games struggle with trying to balance that particular interaction. And I think that Runeterra's system does a good job of kind of uh, innately handling that. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that I really enjoyed that they did was that they took out summoning sickness. You know, yes. you mentioned it a little bit earlier. It's, it seems so like silly that nobody's actually went all in on trying to do that yet because almost every card game I can think of, like you play cards and they can't take actions right away unless they have some sort of keyword or whatever. Mm -hmm. But the most fun thing about card games is playing your cards and getting to use them. Like it's a bit of a joke on my stream, but I'm always saying that, you know, creatures with charge are always, you know, the most fun in any card game because that you get to do whatever you want with them, right? Like, yeah. again, the the most fun thing you can do in any card game is play your cards and then use them. And Terra lets you play your cards and then use them right away. Yep. It, it's so silly, but it's so genius. Let, let people play with the stuff that they just played. Why not? Yeah, you not only get to use your stuff that you uh, that you just played, you also are getting to do stuff on your opponent's turn. So really, like, it, it they, they somehow, and, you know, just galaxy brain uh, develop or uh, designers for Runeterra. Shout outs to them. Um, we still have essentially sorceries instance, and then kind of like split second. If you're familiar with magic, we're using all these jargon terms for magic, the gathering and other card games. And I'm sorry, but maybe, maybe I'll put out an episode or link some resources if you're unfamiliar with what we're talking about. But this is, Listen, again, this is the master class you, right you now. You can link to a glossary at the end, and it'll yeah. just be like 30 pages of my rambling with like APA citations. Yes. And like, this is what oh. we did back in 94. Oh, and... APA citations. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, don't even get me started on, on college formatting. Oh. I'm gonna be. Hey, as somebody who has taught college, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh man, I don't know, but I'm not. Go- I'm. I'll go on tangents. I'm not going on that tangent. That's for. That's for a different show. Um, but yeah, so we're getting the ability to have instant sorceries and super instants, I guess, and you're getting to play them on your opponent's turn like you can still play sorceries and creatures on your opponent's turn they don't get to attack obviously on your or they don't get to attack on your opponent's attack round unless you have a katarina yeah i was gonna say i i actually think it's funny you mentioned the cat thing too because uh i actually think what you're gonna end up seeing is that people's terminology is gonna change and i i only think about it this way because like i said i i was uh 
pretty big in the old uh, artifact scene and in artifact there is no like turns right there's mm -hmm. no my turn and your turn there are rounds and both players are just passing priority back and forth over mm -hmm. and over right in my head that's kind of the way runeterra works it's just somebody's designated an attacker mm -hmm. and somebody's designated a blocker but everything outside of that functions the exact same way that it did in artifact in terms of you know, I can play something, then you can play something. Mm -hmm. There's there's this innate passing of priority back and forth. And uh, again, even attacks aren't necessarily limited to or relegated to just the attacking player like that that is designated for that. Because mm -hmm. if you have any cards that let you ready an attack, it's not just cat. There's a relentless pursuit mm -hmm. that uh, Damasia has access to, things like that. So uh, attacks can happen at any time. Right. So I, I think if anything, it's probably at least long term, it's probably going to instead change people's terminology, or at least it should uh, change people's terminology and how they think about the game as far as like every round is just a round and you're you're only limited by like one person gets an attack. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that's it. The only difference is, is one person gets one bonus attack. You can still attack in any round. You can still play cards in any round. Right. It's just flip-flopping between somebody gets a free attack. That's that's the only difference. Yeah, it, it absolutely. It's well, it's certainly going to take at least me, but I have I, I guess I probably have a smoother brain than the average person uh, to get past the like. Oh, they've they it's it's you have the attack. It's your turn. I have the attack. It's my turn. Because it's still it like I I agree with everything that you're saying. It does feel like the turns just flow on one person just happens to have the attack token, but it still feels like a turn is ended. Maybe I, they could probably do some sort of like UI thing with that. I don't know. It would be because like, there's still like the pass, the passing of the round still happens. Each person gets mad. I don't know. That's for, that's for people who are smarter than me to figure out, but yeah, it, it, it definitely is. Uh, it, it's definitely the case that, even though it feels somewhat like a Hearthstone or a Magic turn, it is certainly more like an artifact turn where you're playing simultaneously. And I, I think it, it like feels so good because you know in Magic or in Hearthstone, like well, in Hearthstone especially, you play your turn, and then if you want to, you can just go to sleep for a minute while your opponent yeah, does their say, turn. You can go make a sandwich. You can yeah. go make some coffee. Yeah. You know. I mean, that is actually one of the benefits of Hearthstone as a streamer. It's very easy to stream Hearthstone because that's your designated talk-to-chat time, <laughs> um, which you get a little bit less of with Runeterra. But from a, if I'm a, you know, playing in a tournament or something, like being able to be engaged and like not like having to wait forever for your opponent to go and having them rope, it's like, it's it's very good. The games feel... Like, the flow of the game feels really good um, for Runeterra. So, um, yeah, so I think there's a lot of different things we can talk about with the uh, with the actual game of Runeterra itself. But I want to take a step back and talk about Runeterra as a game in the marketplace right now. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, we've already talked about, what, a half a dozen different card games that are out right now, digital card games that are out right now. Do, like, do we really need... I'm playing. I guess I'm playing devil's advocate here because obviously I'm a fan of this game because I run being the host of a podcast. But do we really need another digital card game in 2019? Do we need it? Uh, I mean, do we need anything? Like literally <laughs> anything, other than you know, air, 
food, mm -hmm. shelter. Do we need it? No, we don't need it. But I think the better question is, is there a market for it? And mm -hmm. I'm the proof that yes, there is because uh, I just listed a bajillion card games <laughs> I've played and I'm not the only person like me. So uh, somebody, somebody will buy this game. Somebody will play this game. Uh, League has a little bit of a player base, right? They so sure do. You, you could you could literally say like if they if they capture 20 percent of the league player base as like regular players, mm -hmm. then this is already a successful and, and profitable game for them. So um, the the question of do we need it? No, probably not need it. But is there an audience for it? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I I agree um, in that vein, and this is a, so I have a, a TFT podcast as well, the Little Legends podcast. And one question that, uh, or one topic that we talked about on the show was how does Riot, because um, Riot's in kind of an interesting situation that I I couldn't think of an example at the time. And I, I maybe maybe you know of an example that I'm, I'm unaware of where a company is create, is, uh, making two different two different games that are in at least somewhat of the same space i mean there's an argument to be made that you know auto battler and card game are they're very different i think you can make an argument that they're very different i think you can make an argument that they're very same at least in terms of the the people playing them but what are your thoughts on sort of tft being uh, a game made by riot and legends of runeterra being uh, a game made by riot because you know, obviously people can play all the games. People can play every card game out there. People can play League, Runeterra, TFT, but at some point, like there's got it there's some there's some amount of cannibalization. I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are on on that. Well, I, I think that there's there's certainly some concern to be had about cannibalization, like you said, essentially kind of sharing the attention. But I honestly think that that might be a bit overblown mm -hmm. because your average gamer, they're going to, they're going to share their attention a bunch uh, just naturally. Right. Like yeah. it, I'm the kind of person where I play single player games. I play uh, strategy games. Obviously that's what I stream, but even outside of just my streaming life, I'm also playing things like league or just weird oddball games on steam, like steel circus because I enjoy it or whatever. Right. I play battle Royale games um, I play a lot of different things, right? So if that's your average gamer, if you will, right? If your average gamer is going to play a bunch of different things, I think that what you want to do is just try to monopolize their attention in those regards, mm -hmm. right? So if you, you could say like, okay, we're, we're a little afraid that teamfight tactics and a card game are going to share the same audience, right? And that very well may be true. But if you don't offer both of those, right? Then the person who... It, let's just say Teamfight Tactics uh, did not exist. And I'm a, a Legends of Runeterra through and through. Like, that's my main game. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, when I'm done with that and now I want to play an auto battler because, like, that's kind of my shtick, what am I going to do? I'm going to go play Dota Underlords, right? So if I, if I have the itch for auto battler and you're not giving me an option, then I have to go somewhere else. Right. And so as long as you just keep providing options, then... I'm more likely to stay in the same ecosystem. And I think that I, I, I guess I'll throw it back this way. Right. Um, Cause you were talking about like maybe other companies have an example. I can give you a great example. Sure. Blizzard blizzard at like 
their core gameplay, like when they were just coming up and trying to be popular, uh, you know, well, not trying to be, I mean, they were extremely popular, but like two of their most popular games were real-time strategy games. You had Warcraft true, and you had true. Starcraft. Very true. Right? Yep. The, literally the exact same game. It's just that one is sci-fi and one is fantasy. And they they didn't seem to have any issues with that. You know what I mean? So yeah. Well, that's a good I, point. I think that it, it's entirely reasonable for uh, for people to do that. I mean, even if you look at, you know, how many how many different studios put out first person shooters that are the same, um, you know, Bethesda, for example, they publish Wolfenstein and they publish Doom and they publish mm. um, oh, uh, Fallout and a, uh, a bunch yeah. of other different games. Right. Like you could say those are all competing with each other. Prey is, you know, it's a little more uh, like spooky, whatever, but like it's in that same vein, if sure. you will. So um, I, I think studios today just kind of realize that you can't keep somebody's attention all the time on a single game. Mm -hmm. So instead, what you should be aiming to do is just give them as many different avenues to come back to you so you never leave their platform. I think that's ultimately what it is. Be be the one-stop shop for all of your different gaming needs instead of just trying to provide a game that you're playing all the time. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I guess that's more like the sort of like Google or Amazon or Apple sort of approach rather than, you know, just trying to make a really successful product. No, that, that, <laughs> I mean, it's now, now that I think about it, it seems like such an obvious answer, but, uh, <laughs> You know what? That's like I said. I have a smoother brain than the average person. It's okay. I've I've come to accept it. Uh, me me no go high school. That's that's it's not. Oh. I mean, I did, but it's an inside <laughs> joke that three people will get. I'm sure. Um, but yeah. So, I, I, I mean, for me, I, I just like the 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 whole reason I brought that up is like, I feel like I'm every time there's a new game, I'm like so excited about it, but it's like. I'm playing MTG Arena. I'm playing TFT. I'm playing Runeterra. I'm playing Overwatch. I'm playing, you know, like I, I'm like I can't. I don't have time to play all these games. I yeah, just... but so that's where the good product part comes in, right? Mm -hmm. it, the fact that you were playing all of those games already kind of speaks to the business model I was talking about. Mm -hmm. Nobody's playing one game anymore, and the ones who do are like your hyper entrenched wanna go pro. Like I live mm -hmm. and breathe it and that's fine. Those people do exist, but that's not your majority. Sure. Your majority now are people who play a bunch of different games. They sign in, they play for an hour or two, they do their dailies. You know, if, if it's a game that's also available on mobile, maybe they play on the train to work or whatever. And you just, you need to capture them at that point and then also give them, you know, other options, other opportunities when they're feeling like playing other genres. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that that's where the good product part comes in, right? Like yeah. if I know that I'm playing um, a bunch of different games and a couple of them are in the same vein and they're competing for my time, then you just have to be uh, the best or one of the best of that bunch, if mm. you will. Definitely. I mean, I, I keep hoping that more games are going to come out because I want to play more games, but I, it's like, it's probably more of a me problem. It's like the existential problem of like, I want to play all the games, but I also want to put all of my time and effort into all of them. And it's like that. Well, yeah. I mean, you're, <laughs> you're like me. I like to describe myself as um, casually hardcore. Yes. 
<laughs> right? Like it sums I, it up so I, well. <laughs> I, I I approach games casually because I I can't designate like as much time and do all of them as I want. Mm-hmm. But when I do pour my time into something, then I am super hardcore about it, like in a very narrow way, right? Like I can't mm-hmm. just pick something up and not know what's going on and whatever. I have to learn the game inside and out. Mm-hmm. And then once I've learned it, right, once I've went through my hardcore part, then it becomes part of my casual rotation where I'm picking it up two or three times a week. Yep. But when I'm initially picking something up, it is it is a hardcore dive. Like I need to know every in and out. I want to know all of the weird interactions. What are, uh, you know, the ways that I can be the most efficient at things, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. Um, but and, and then it just becomes part of my rotation because uh, I have a, a million different interests and I want to be a master <laughs> at all of them. And thus, I'm a master at none. It is really weird how much I resonate with that. <laughs> It's like you were reading that's, my mind. I, that's why I like uh, casting so much, mm-hmm. right? So when it comes to like esports casting stuff, I I get to be an expert, if you will, mm-hmm. for a number of different things without the pressure of like having to put all my time in it to truly go pro, if that makes sense. Oh, it, it makes absolute sense. That's what I'm doing with TFT right now. Uh, I've casted a few tournaments and it's just like, yeah, I... I know so much about this game, but I don't have to play it for a living. I just get to talk right. about it and watch people who are better than me play. It's great. Um, yeah, that's. Uh, I, I'm. I'm sure that there's plenty of people, other people out there. I don't think we're the only two. Uh, <laughs> so if you guys are like that, let us know because I think that's a, a very interesting. It's a very interesting niche that I think a lot of people are, but it's almost like you don't. It, it's not like a commonly talked about thing where it's like, oh, yeah, because like obviously the game company doesn't want people to be like, oh, I'm going to go really in on I'm going to go really in on a game and then play another one because no, no game company wants you to go play another game or they're not going to tell you to go play other games. Right. So very, very interesting. But let's shift the focus here and talk about some archetypes and some champions and all that stuff. Cause I think this, for me, this is my favorite part of the game, at least so far is like the champions in, uh, Runeterra and, and the archetypes that have spawned from it. I was, you know, I played Hearthstone back in, uh, the beta when it, when it first came out and it felt, it was really cool, obviously, because, you know, we hadn't had a, a digital card game quite like it. But after it kind of played out, it was like, okay, all these decks are basically just mid-range decks with, like, 80% yeah. of the same cards and then, like, a couple of class cards to make you feel like you're playing a different deck. But really, it's like everyone's playing, like, Ardent Commander, Sylvanas, Chillwind Yeti, like, mid-range. Well... Uh that's like a byproduct of their core combat yeah. system mm-hmm. right so hearthstone went with the uh, attacker chooses targets combat system mm-hmm. which on a single board like that it's always going to favor the person who has initiative mm-hmm. right because they get to decide whether to make a value trade or not and if you can get a board position then you can snowball your board position from that point like kind of throughout the rest of the game and mm-hmm. in the base set of hearthstone there was not very many like board sweepers or things that would allow somebody who has fallen behind to come back so Mm -hmm. a lot of that just really had to deal or had to do excuse me with the 
the combat system. Yeah, it was. It, 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 you're you're absolutely right. It was just like, oh, I'm gonna play a vanilla four five for four because it has better stats and can make better trades than anything else. Yep. I'm gonna play Sylvanas because it's always like a four for one. Also, that was back when Sylvanas costed five. But but the point the point I'm making uh, that I was making is Runeterra did not feel like that at all to me. I thought there was at least like four or five like very distinct different archetypes that at least were played now we only had that you know few days to actually play so i'm sure some of the jank decks i was playing weren't actually good but you know there's a combo deck there's a uh, there's a, a few different ones there's a like heavy control deck an aggro deck uh, a different type of like a so much different stuff for the base set of a, a card game. I, I was not expecting this. How did, how did you feel about this like opening gambit of decks that we got to see? I, I mean, I thought it looked really good for a base set, mm -hmm. right? There was a number of different things that I wanted to try. Uh, I We didn't have enough time to try, or at least no. I didn't have enough time to try. Nope. Um, I do feel like we might end up hitting a point once we've had more time with the base set where mid range still might end up being king for a bit because uh, I think my biggest concern right now, at, now that I've had time to reflect on my games and how they went, mm -hmm. right? Um, I, I think my biggest potential concern for the game is kind of based around ruination and uh, she who wanders, right? So Which those card two is ruination. For those of you, uh, ruinate, for those of you who don't uh, remember, and definitely not me, who uh, of course knows what it is. <laughs> Ruination is the Wrath of God effect, oh, right? Okay, so it's yeah. the nine cost to uh, destroy all creatures. Uh, okay. Um, she wanders was the big like ten ten regenerate, but also hits everything with a power four or less mm -hmm. from the board and the hand. Yep. So those are your primary board sweepers that got used in the game, and I think that ruination's cost at some point will end up proving to be a bit prohibitive i think that nine is fair especially with the spell mana because you can play it as early as six and mm -hmm. you don't want it to be too low on the curve because you you still at the core want this to be a game around bodies being on the board mm -hmm. specifically your champions your champions are like your marquee mechanic and you don't want game states where people are just not playing them over and over right so right. Uh, i understand that but my biggest concern however is that if your expensive board sweepers are kind of going to be prohibitive and i think about ruination running into deny over and over again yeah. right mm -hmm. and she wanders is pretty expensive and it's still it's targeted and it only hits things that are for attack power or less then i could see trying to uh, not run into either of those as my primary sweepers, a meta that evolves where uh, like big threats, right? Going, going vertical instead of going wide, mm -hmm. if you will, is the proper mechanic. So I think about mid range decks where, you know, if you want things that have five attack power or more, cause they'll stick through she who wanders. Mm -hmm. And then you also want potentially, um, you know, one or two like big resilient things on the board. And then you use, you know, whatever, whether it's barrier or removal or whatever to kind of protect them and kind of play this tempo oriented game. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I could really see that end up being uh, a bit of the standard, if you will. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's my concern. Now it's too early to tell, like we had a very short period of time. Um, 
but after reflecting a bit, I do I do kind of worry about that. Specifically, one of the cards I was most impressed about, and the one that I kept coming back to whenever I was deck building, was the uh, I think it's Rasa. I'm probably mispronouncing it, but it was the seven five Shadow Isles card that if a ally had died this turn, when it comes into play, you destroy the uh, two minions on your opponent's yes. side that are their lowest power. So this was a 7-5 body that destroyed two things when it comes into play. That That is massive. So even if they have a deny for the ability, you still get a 7-5 worth of stats out of it. If they don't have the deny, uh, barrier doesn't save you, uh, anything like that. Mm-hmm. So it, I, I think that that might end up being one of the most powerful cards in the set. I, I was routinely either blowing out games or getting blown out by that card pretty mm-hmm. hard. Um it's it's got a very powerful effect yeah i think you know a lot of the decks are gonna we're we're obviously gonna start seeing the decks get optimized right which means the aggro decks are going to be the best aggro the mid-range decks are going to have the answers the mid-range and control decks are going to have the answers to those aggro decks and the and the mirror matches and um you know obviously there's a lot of people just trying out junk uh like myself trying to build every iteration of Teemo deck that I could think of. Um, but it, I'm the, the mid, the mid range deck does seem really good because of those types of effects. But I, like we were talking about in the pre-show, like there's like three different two mana, five power creatures. <laughs> like that's gotta be at some point, that's gotta be the check for it. Right. Like I was, I was killing people on like, round three or four like it was my second attack it's like because it's only 20 life right like it's it's yeah. magic the gathering health with hearthstone mana but almost like double hearthstone mana because you're getting it like it it i i i, I routinely was like flip-flopping my opinion because i'd be like oh the aggro deck is just broken you have to play it and then i would play like the freeze mage deck with ash and ezreal and like was beating these decks and surviving at one health and just going back and freezing everything. I'm like, huh, maybe the control deck's really good because if it can survive against two mana five power creatures, it's got to be really good. And then I'd win on turn two or turn three. It's like, I, I, I didn't know where, I I, I don't know. I, I just didn't know. Maybe, I, I mean, didn't have a, it was a small sample size, but how, how did your games kind of play out? Um, and what did you see kind of being dominant? Um, see, I think that the biggest problem with the hyper aggro is they'll be kept in check by avalanche. Yeah. Um, the number of games that I won with hyper aggro against control, uh, 100% came down to, did my opponent have avalanche Mm -hmm. in the early game or not? Like every time that was, that was the check, right? If they had the avalanche, I probably just lose. (laughs) Um, but outside of that, like the aggro decks were were good. I also feel like it was a lot of people just experimenting, right? There's right. just not a lot of refinement going on. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of things that have five attack power, but all of them have two health or less. Mm. So in a more refined meta, I think things like uh, Mystic Shot and a few other effects are going to end up being staples to mm. really help deal with that. Um, I think that... I think that there was a lot of folks that were not running a low enough curve, for example. True. Uh, which is also pretty common. You see flashy cards with flashy effects, and so then you you want to play those. And I and I don't blame you. 
Um, but in doing so, when you're trying to like prove that something works, you sometimes forget that the game starts on turn one. Yeah. <laughs> or, uh, you know, even turn two at times. And you don't have cards in your deck that, that uh, accompany that fact. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, <laughs> adhere to the rules of the game, if you will. So um, last I, I think that when things get refined, it'll be a little bit different. Mm-hmm last uh episode uh, uh that's admirable was on the show and uh, i think his quote was uh just play a card idiot like <laughs> i definitely yeah. fell i'm like ooh, this card looks sweet Ooh, this card looks sweet Ooh, this card combos with this card it's like okay i've got uh 18 four drops all right what else do i want Ooh, there's a nine drop too it's like yeah no i i my opponent plays a uh, turn one three two and a turn two five i'm like Yep, I'm just going to scoop these bad boys up and go to the next round. I guess it, they're not being a ranked mode, too, kind of uh, leads to that. But overall, I just thought, you know, there was obviously there wasn't a lot of refinement. There was people were playing just stuff that they wanted to experiment with. But in term, just just in terms of, like, the the difference in the archetypes, it really, like, made me excited to play this game even with just the base set because like if i had to go back like if a new hearthstone came out and i knew it was going to be like hearthstone was at the beginning i would just be like i'm just gonna wait till like the second or third set comes out because i don't want to play this like very vanilla uh like vanilla type game i I mean, maybe it will become that with just like how the meta plays out in Runeterra, but it at least felt like there was the opportunity for a lot more diversity in in types of gameplay in the decks. Oh, there was diversity. There was, you know, some stuff that I saw that didn't pop up in other card games until much later. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm I'm somebody who, like I said, uh, comes from the Elder Scrolls Legends. That's kind of what I'm known for. Mm-hmm. There's a card in the Elder Scrolls Legends called Unstoppable Rage. Okay. And that card exists in Legends of Runeterra as Judgment. And, and so when I first got in and I started playing the game, I basically went, okay, what can I do with Judgment? Because in Elder Scrolls Legends, this card was like busted good, right? And that's when I stumbled on Fiora. And so that was like literally the first thing I did. Like game one, my first game in, mm-hmm. um, I, I'd even tweeted it. I said, hey, when I get access, I... You know, I, I don't know if it's going to be good, mm-hmm. but I'm going to find a way to break Fiora. And then literally, like, first game in, I pull it off. Somebody lines it up <laughs> so that I've got, like, a four attack power Fiora. Yeah. We go into this big, messy combat, and I judgment at instant speed and immediately win the game, right? Mm-hmm. So that's when I was hooked. I was like, okay, there, there's combos in the base set. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if they're good or not. And, I, and I'll, I'll be honest, I'm not convinced that deck is very good long term. Yeah. But they're there, and that shows a level of, uh, you know, forethought from the design team that I can get excited about. Mm-hmm. I mean, for Fiora specifically, when 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 a card says, when a card has the line "you win the game" on it, there's a very fine line between broken and unplayable, and it seems like Fiora is might actually be exactly that line because she's just a fine, she's an all right like good card even without the i'm trying to win the game off of her um but that kind of leads us into the the next topic i want to talk about different 
uh, champions here. Besides Fjord, were there any other champions that really uh, caught your eye that you wanted to build around? Uh, yeah, I mean, I tried playing around with a bunch of them. Uh, it's really hard for me to actually pick a favor right now. I like Shen even without the Fiora combo mm -hmm. because Barrier is very similar to Ward in the Elder Scrolls Legends, and Ward is very powerful in that game, so I, I figured Barrier would be pretty strong in this game as well. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I'm also, like, in that game, I'm known for playing a deck archetype that was, uh, like, mid-Sorcerer, and I think Shen allows you to build a very similar... Mm -hmm. uh, deck art type so I was drawn to that I do also think that Callista is capable of some extremely busted things if left unchecked and I'm really looking forward to doing more with her for example I I had at one point where I had uh, I had a leveled up Callista who had bonded with a leveled up Zed and so every time Callista attacked, she would make Zed come back, who would then make his like shadow come back with all the keywords. And it felt it felt almost unfair at times. <laughs> um, I was snowballing that game pretty hard, but I think Callista's capable of doing some pretty interesting things, specifically because I think she's easier to flip than what mm -hmm. I first thought. Uh, the the requirement of her seeing three things die would normally be pretty difficult if they didn't handle ephemeral in Runeterra the way they do. Yeah. Yep. Um, I really like uh, the Lucian-Senna interaction. Mm -hmm. I played around a lot with that. I think Lucian is uh, incredibly powerful. Uh, Ezreal, I think, is a really good late-game win condition. I played a lot mm -hmm. with an Ezreal Karma deck, uh, very spell-oriented, where uh, essentially... If you, if you make it to 10 mana and flip your Ezreal, you just win the game like in a single turn because the amount of damage he fires off is nuts because mm -hmm. Karma's copying stuff. He gives it to you for free, and then his trigger goes off once uh, per copy right. from Karma. Mm -hmm. So it, it literally, like, just attacking with Ezreal once you have those two on the board is worth, like, 8 damage for free, not counting anything else you've played that turn. Mm -hmm. So um, tower towers melt pretty quick at that point, so... Yeah, I, it's, hard, it's hard for me to pick a favorite. I I see a lot of different ones that I wanted to mess around with. Yeah, it, I, I I think if if I had to pick a favorite, it's either Fiora or Timo. Um, Fiora, because at at the end of the day, I'm I like combo control. That's like my favorite type of my favorite archetype, like Splinter Twin was my one of my favorite decks of all time in Magic the Gathering. Um, and being able to, like, have that combo in, like, my back pocket while also playing, like, control-type elements is very uh, intriguing to me. And then also Teemo uh, was, a, was a big one for me. I thought the, like, at first it seemed like the mushroom mechanic was going to be like, okay, this is just a stupid thing that's, like, Okay, people are going to try to do this because, you know, people like Teemo in League of Legends or he's like a troll character or whatever. Um, but I, the, the cool thing I found about Teemo was like, I saw him played and tried to play him in like three very different types of decks. I saw. Yeah, I think there's only one that's good. Oh, there probably only is one that's good. But seeing him, like, there was the, the, the Teemo aggro deck. Uh, that I think Raynad put out, and he said he went like twenty-two and zero. Though it it seemed like every streamer that I saw tweeting was like, "Oh yeah, I went I went forty-eight and zero with this deck." It's like, well, 
did none of you play against each other if every single one of you went X and O with your decks on stream? But uh, I guess that's another that's another uh, conversation to have. But uh, I saw that one. I saw a like combo Teemo deck where like you would make a you would get him leveled up and out and then make like a bunch of uh, ephemeral copies of him. And like you would attack with like six Teemos in one turn and like put like hundreds of uh hundreds of mushrooms in. I think yeah. I saw like a thousand mushrooms or something in the deck from like disguise. Yeah, things. that's that's the only one I think is good. Yeah. Because it's literally a mono Ionia deck mm-hmm. that just combos with Teemo. So there's a guy that when he comes into play you summon um two one cost creatures from your deck. Mm-hmm. And so if Teemo's your only one drop in your deck and you've already played the first one like enough to get him leveled up mm-hmm. then you play that guy and two more come into play and then you can play there's a couple other cards that you can play at the same time to make copies and then at that point when they're attacking you're just doubling over and over um and i think that those are the the good ones i think those are the better ones simply because timo timo by himself is i think a trap I've had plenty mm-hmm. of games where I've had like 50, even like 60 mushrooms in somebody's deck. And it's not enough to kill them because even if they draw something with mushrooms, they might take like two or three damage. There's just no guarantee that you're going to hit like the wombo combo. Oh, right. I found something that had 10 mushrooms on it. Right. right. So I, I feel like unless you're going from zero to 60, quote unquote, Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really quickly, I think Timo ends up being a trap. Yeah, he he definitely like the the in the ag the Timo aggro deck. It almost seemed all right. Um, the only bad thing about him was that you had like in order to even have him be effective at all, you needed to play like the other mushroom cards, um, which are like medium. Yeah, uh, they're they're not very good. Yeah, they're they're very they're very low they're low end. Fun. They are fun, and the, the, the that's another thing about the game: the animations and the sounds and stuff, top notch in this game. Very excited uh, to get more familiarized with the different voices of the cards and the and the animations and stuff. That was one of that's one of my favorite things about Hearthstone is the the voices of the cards. But in the in the Timo aggro deck, like with the exception of having to play some medium cards, like it was all it's all right if he's like, you know, he gives you a little bit of extra like uh a little bit of extra range with it with it, I guess. Like he's A, he's unblockable. Well not unblockable. He has evasion uh, which is pretty good. And then, like, if he does, like, you know, four or five, even if he only does, like, four or five damage, like, total with the mushrooms, like, it's still, like, all right. Um, but probably not the most optimal, like, aggro build. Um, it was just all right. But still fun to me, at least. Um, I I look for. I, I hope there's at least, like, one, even if it's, like, B tier, I hope there's, like, one Teemo deck I can play. <laughs> Um, I want to be, I want to, I want to have the Teemo deck, uh, in my repertoire. Um, but as we, uh, push into the, uh, end part of the show here, I want to talk a little bit about, um, Runeterra's, uh, future here. Um, obviously again, we've talked about how there's so many different games, uh, different card games out there. And, you know, some are just kind of existing. Some have esports. some have various levels of, 
of different other uh, uh, things going on for them. What, what kind of excites you about the future of Runeterra? Uh, I mean, it's a big IP, and there's a lot of champions to pull from, and a lot of, uh, you know, if, if you're like me and you've played a lot of League, and you, <laughs> you have champions that you like, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody has champions they like. Um, mm -hmm. You're looking forward to those, mm -hmm. right? Even if I know nothing about the sets or the mechanics, it's just like you said. You you have a a need, a desire to play a Teemo deck. I have a need and a desire at some point to be playing an Ari Malzahar deck. <laughs> like it just needs to happen, mm -hmm. right? Like that's that's my end goal. Um, so the IP is great. Um, obviously, it's Riot. Riot has a long history with uh, cosmetics, mm -hmm. which I'm a sucker for. They have a long Same. history with esports, <laughs> which I'm a sucker for. Same. Um, <laughs> So, you know, I'm looking forward to those things, but, you know, champions are, are a big draw, right? Like mm -hmm. that's, that's the IP is you get all these really cool characters and I want to see how they come to life uh, in terms of the actual card game. I'm also long, long term. I know that this is not coming at all in the short term whatsoever, mm -hmm. right? But long term, I think it would be really cool if we got to see potentially some PVE content Ooh. or maybe... Um, team style stuff, right? It's not unheard of for mm -hmm. uh, card games to be approaching things from a not just 1v1 approach anymore. Mm -hmm. I know that Hearthstone has their tavern brawls that are co-op, for example. Uh, Mythgard, you know, we mentioned that game earlier. They have a 2v2 mode. Uh, oh, even in the auto battler space, uh, there's things like the uh, duos that Dota Underlords just launched. Mm -hmm. So I would love at some point to maybe see uh, like a 2v2 or a 3v3 mode of legends of runeterra just to give me that moba feel right because it doesn't feel like league unless i have uh teammates to blame my losses on so <laughs> i True. i'm looking forward to what they do long term it's very early in the life cycle and uh not even something i would expect to like be coming for 2020 mm -hmm. but you know as long as the game sticks and it's profitable for them who knows in the future and yeah. i i'm just excited at the prospect of something like that mm-hmm yeah, I uh, I do think there's a lot of room. There's a lot of room with the IP, obviously, and also in sort of the the system of the game. I think there's there's just a lot that you can do with the with the champions, with how the cards work, and uh, I'm I'm very excited about that uh, as well. Um, obviously, for this next preview patch, we're getting the sort of Hearthstone Arena or MTG draft. Uh, format that they're going to be testing out what what are your kind of thoughts on that and are you excited about that yeah i mean i'm excited um i i play a lot of constructed because it's a way that i can flex my creativity but when it comes to like actual tournament play it's weird i prefer limited environments the only mm -hmm. time i almost ever go to magic events anymore is when it's limited format mm -hmm. um I've got a buddy of mine who just has a massive extensive collection. He absorbed a lot of my collection when I got out of the game. He has a room in his house called the vault. <laughs> uh, it has its own insurance rider. It's got, I mean, like you name it, right? So mm -hmm. whenever I want to go to an event, if it's a limited event, um, I'll go with him and basically he pays my entry and he gets to keep all my cards and all my winnings. And like, it's a fine enough working relationship. Mm -hmm. um, but I enjoy limited. That's I think my favorite way to competitively play because it kind of, for the most part, unless somebody gets lucky in high rolls or something, but it, for the most part, it like levels the playing field. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Everybody's coming into this um, uh, on the same 
kind of wavelength. But as I said before, I like to play constructed because I can flex my creativity. But part of the thing that I enjoy about the limited for tournament play is it's the kind of the same thing, but different, right? I get mm. to build a deck from scratch and then that lets me show, you know, how I can, how I can win through deck building, if you will. Whereas in constructed at, from a content creation standpoint, I can flex my creativity, but like when you go to a tournament, like y your lists are refined by then everybody's right. bringing the same stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to be like one of five archetypes. You might have like one or two cool tech cards you're throwing in and it'll be like spread throughout your play test group or whatever. But like everybody's bringing the same list. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's, it just doesn't have the same feeling for me. So when I play competitively, I prefer limited formats. And so I'm looking forward to seeing what they have to offer. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm extremely, excited about the limited format for runeterra i'm a, a limited player myself mostly um i am uh again it feels like you're reading my mind with what you're saying about limited um i i haven't been to an event in a, a long time but every once in a while i'll go to a pre-release or if there's a i probably wouldn't go to a gp but if i were going to go to a grand prix again it would definitely be a limited format um i play mostly draft on MTG Arena. Um, and I'm really hoping that Runeterra goes the route more towards the route of MTG draft rather than Hearthstone Arena because Hearthstone Arena, while it's a, a fine game, it, it, you know, gives you sort of that draft feel. It always, it always kind of felt like a very far second to playing constructed in Hearthstone, to me at least. It just didn't feel like the, I mean, there was no uh, arena ranked. There was no real, like, there was never, well, there were some arena tournaments, but they were always very clunky. Well, I guess most Hearthstone tournaments were clunky back back then, and they, they, they still are. Uh, hashtag, we've wanted a tournament mode in Hearthstone since 2014. Uh But it, it, it just felt like it was not at the same level. It always felt like arena in hearthstone always felt like just playing a bad constructed deck whereas like if i'm like now um in magic and mtg arena like playing constructed is a completely different experience from playing like eldrin draft like it it's not like like obviously the the power level of the decks are lower but like it, it always felt different to me um and it, it felt like it was it was its own it, it like stood up on its own merits wasn't and it wasn't just a oh well i'm gonna play arena in hearthstone because i don't have a constructed deck once i built a constructed deck in hearthstone i almost never did arena again um and i know there's some people that really like arena and and that's great but for me it just never it never really lived up to what mtg draft or even draft in other um in other games like artifact or um and, and other games that are out there uh just didn't live it up up it didn't live up to uh constructed like it did uh in other games so yeah I, I can see that but um all right we are quickly running out of time here charmer thank you so much for being on is there anything else that you wanted to talk about with runeterra or any anything else that you wanted to mention before we go here um man i don't know there's so much right <laughs> like i, I want to talk about runeterra forever why isn't it uh playable yet we were talking about at the start how it's only yeah. been six days. <laughs> it hasn't even been a week, and I already miss it. 
I know, but uh, well, I mean, you've heard this episode already because you're on it. But I'm, I'm ho- well, hoping to get keep keep the Runeterra content coming. Although, like, I mean, we're not even getting like little. Tr- we're, we don't even have things to talk about really. So, um, like new content to talk about uh, besides going and, and doing deep dives on the cards and whatnot. But yeah, it's gonna be a long. Let's see, how many days is it? Uh, like. 20 days something like that well yeah october is the 31st oh, right so we've got uh till the 16th i oh, believe the 16th yeah. uh so it's even more than that it's like 20 23 20. it's like it's still under a month that's uh, that's what i'm keeping my <laughs> keeping my eyes uh on the price here it's under a month it's okay my my personal next week is going to be at blizzcon so that's basically a whole week off where i'm probably i'm gonna try to not be thinking about it for the runeterra as much at least um so hopefully it, it will uh it will go by uh quickly here but we'll try we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get through together everybody we're gonna we're gonna make it through and we're gonna have runeterra playable I don't know what we're going to do after the next preview patch, but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Yeah, they said like early quarter one for the follow up after this expeditions patch, and uh, I mean, I mean, I really hope that they speed that up. Like, I, I hope. I hope it's. Real I, I want early. the game to be good, right? Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong, I want the game to be good, but what I really, really hope for is them to give us a Christmas present, if you will. Mm-hmm. And be like, hey, I know we said it was going to be coming in January, but, you know, it's, you know, Christmas Eve. Yeah. We're Santa Riot. Ho, ho, ho. Go play the game. <laughs> yeah. Here's here's uh, Santa, Santa Gragas uh, giving us all the... I mean, even if right? they just, like, just give us the preview patch, right? Like, I mean, I don't know the logistics of that. Maybe that's not feasible, but, like, keep building on the game. But, like, let, let us play the the preview patch yeah i, I, I mean I, like i said i get it they want they want it to be yeah. polished look good and they want to make a good first impression and i know i think that they just want to dang they want to dangle the carrot for us and then take it away so that we want it even more i think it's just like psycho- a psychological game the game's been perfectly 100 percent ready for months they just want i don't know that's tinfoil tinfoil hat and major league baseball spying on us at all times that's uh that's getting in my <laughs> major league baseball spying on us. Oh man! <laughs> See, I, I knew I could throw in some Simpsons references, <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, a good one. Yeah, that's a uh, let's go sock some dingers. Okay, uh, but <laughs> that's gonna be it, everyone, for this episode of Rune Terrible. Rune Terrible Radio. Man, I forgot the title of my own show that is literally right in front of me and I'm looking at. Charmer, thank you so much for being on. Where can people find you on the internet? Um, anywhere that you want to search Charmer except for the relevant places. <laughs> <laughs> so on, on Twitch, on YouTube, I'm just straight up Charmer. It's a three for the R. On Twitter and Instagram, I'm that charmer because on both of those platforms, there is somebody who has stolen charmer is camping it and it's an inactive account and neither of those platforms will give me what I, what I need, right? They won't give me my name despite, despite me asking, like I own charmer.com. I'm basically everything but trademarked with the name and they Mm -hmm. still won't give it up. So at this point, like I actually think I have to seek out a trademark to get it done and it's frustrating. So 
That is that is extremely frustrating. Yeah, there's someone that's that's uh, camping out um, Blevins on Twitter, or actually, the, well, there's someone that's actually using just straight Blevins, but there's someone that's can't, I don't know if they're camping or if they just have the Blevins without the underscore on Twitter. But uh, that's uh, uh, neither here nor there. Again, thank you so much, Charmer, for coming on the show. I'm hoping uh, we can get you back on when there's actually more content to talk about with Terra. You're welcome back anytime back here. On- yeah, I'll come back whenever. I, I love talking about card games in case you hadn't figured it out. Oh, wait, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yes, yeah, so that's it, everyone. Thank you for listening to Terrible Radio. For Charmer, I am the Blevins. Thank you all for listening, and we'll be back with another episode when we've got more stuff to talk about. <laughs> Who knows when that's going to be? See you later.